Please pray with me. Bless, Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them. Read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join me in today's reading. The first reading is from Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. Comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Your word alone has power to save us. Sorry. Excuse me. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. The voice of the Lord, powerful and full of majesty, Thanks be to God. Our gospel reading for this morning was going to be Mark 1, 1 to 3, but as I finish my sermon, it's just going to be on Mark 1, 1. That's all we're doing. So listen for God's word to you. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. Shorter than usual. Hope you all had a lovely Christmas and New Year's. Christmas here at Covenant was so special again this year. Those of you who are here at the 5 o'clock p.m. on Christmas Eve, seeing our children and our youth lead the service, it was such a joy. Come on up. You're always welcome. <laughs> so glad you're here. 5 o'clock was so special, full of this kind of energy. 8 o'clock, those of you who are here, we had the string quartet and the choir communion. I felt like I was part of the angel chorus. It was just such... A gift. Really appreciate, of course, being off the last couple of weeks as well. It took the better part of that first week to, to unwind and to stop uh, wanting to check my email and worry about what was going on here. But I did, finally unwound and returned on Monday with a big smile on my face and noticeably throughout the week, including this morning, more patient than I normally am. Yeah. It was great. It is great. We all need time to rest and unwind. It's part of how we begin again. Well, it's a new year, of course, and with the new year comes 
a desire for new beginnings. I think we all want the opportunity to start fresh, to begin again. I wonder how many of you set some form of a New Year's resolution this year in any way, shape, or form? Yes, all of us, yeah. Even if you've already dropped it by now, that's fine. Whether you did or not, I think we all relish the idea of new beginnings. Well, 2023 for me was the year that I fell in love with exercise. And when I get into something, I don't get in halfway. Moderation is not my strong suit. I'm usually an all-the-way-in-or-nothing kind of person. So what that means is, of course, on the morning of January 1st, 2024, where was I? at the rec center exercising. Where else was I going to be? It didn't matter that I was on vacation because for me, exercise has become recreation, not obligation. So I show up as I normally do and uh, was surprised, though shouldn't have been, at how many people were there on the morning of January 1st. Man, people came out of the woodwork beginning the new year by breaking a sweat, which I think is great. That was January 1st. Not surprisingly, there were fewer people there on January 2nd and every day since then as well. Uh, You see, we all want change, but it's really hard to do it, isn't it? Well, today we begin our story through the Gospel of Mark. We're going to spend the whole year in Mark. Now, last week, of course, Don gave us a sneak peek as he preached on what is my favorite passage in all of Scripture, the baptism of Jesus, particularly in Mark's Gospel where Jesus hears that incredible voice from the heavens saying, this is my son whom I love and in him I am well pleased. Is there a more beautiful passage in all of the Bible? Now, there are a few verses before what Don preached on that are less evocative, but they're still worth considering. And we heard one today. Mark opens the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, unlike Matthew and Luke, which begin their Gospels with the story of Jesus' birth, Mark jumps in with a fully formed Jesus who gets right down to business. Mark is thought to be the oldest of our four Gospels, probably written sometime around 70 AD. And if that's right, it means that Mark has written three to four decades after the events that it reports. It would be like writing about the mid-80s today. Now, it's been a minute, but how many of you here remember the mid-80s. Me too. I was young, but I remember. So if I said, hey, remember when Walter Mondale was president? You'd all go, wait a minute. (laughs) That's not right. (laughs) That's not what happened. You see, we're still close enough to those events that we have living memory to correct it. And Mark is like that as well. Now, it sounds like a banal opening line in Mark is anything but. Anyone who starts a book, particularly a book connected to the scriptures, with the words, the beginning. Well, that recounts another book, an older book that opens nearly the same way. What other book have you heard of that begins with the words, in the beginning? Yeah. And so Mark is giving us his version of a new Genesis. Perhaps God isn't done creating the world yet. Maybe God is still bringing forth new creation, and I, for one, am here for it. What kind of a new beginning is Mark telling us about? Well, it's the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's really, really interesting because that simple phrase, good news, is incredibly loaded. First and foremost, 
It's about the good news that God promised to bring to the people of Israel, the good news that Betsy read for us in Isaiah 40, that God is bringing comfort to those who are in exile in Babylon, that God is coming to deliver them and bring them home. You ever feel like you're in exile? Anybody here ever longed to go home? Home, where my thoughts escaping, home, where my music's playing, home, where my love lies waiting silently for me. See, for Jews who are in exile, the longing to go home was literal, but these verses are not just for them. Humanity, writ large, has an existential displacement. Somewhere along the way, we all feel out of place, which is why songs like Homeward Bound touch our hearts so deeply. The promise of good news in Jesus Christ is a promise of homecoming for all, a return to that place of belonging from which we came but somehow along the way got lost. God is coming to bring us all home. But wait, there's more. The phrase good news also meant something not just to the Jews of that time, but also in the Roman world to which Mark writes. Archaeologists have uncovered multiple inscriptions throughout the Roman world, like the one in Preen, you see right here, which celebrates the birthday of Emperor Augustus Caesar. And it says, quote, the birth of Emperor Augustus Caesar as the beginning of the good news for the world. Does that sound familiar? You see, in the Roman world, the Caesar wasn't merely a political leader. He was the son of the gods whose claim over your life was absolute. See, the divine right of kings was the most powerful story in the air during the time of Christ. Not everybody believed it. But to resist that story, put yourself at odds with the most powerful political and military force that the world had ever known. And that's what the early Christians were faced with. See, Mark is writing a better story than the politics of his time. Now, in our age of democracy, where we choose and depose presidents and elected officials every few years, the divine right of kings is an old story that we've done away with. And I say, thanks be to God. We ought not be too self-congratulatory. Because our political leaders and systems still call to us like sirens, asking us to give them our total allegiance. In our time of increased political polarization, the temptation to think of our politicians as messiahs has surfaced once more. And even more tempting than that is to think that those with whom we disagree are not merely misguided, but demons who are out to destroy us. And that temptation is alive and well in our midst. And for those of us who follow Jesus, the good news is that our hope is not in a president, nor in a party, nor is it in our side winning. Our hope is that Jesus really is the Christ, which means the Messiah, and that God is coming to bring us all home. What if we weren't put on this planet to win, 
But what if like Ramdas said, we're all just here walking each other home? Now that sounds like good news to me. You might be aware it's an election year. Guessing that for many of you this doesn't come as good news. Not because of the you can't bear the thought of saying goodbye to any of our elected leaders. That's not, that's not why you're concerned about this year. It's because you know that these events can bring out the worst in us. And you know that what's at stake isn't small. Well, what if this year that we as the people of God told a better story than the one our politics tells us? What if without minimizing the importance of our elections, we nonetheless hold on to the promise that we are all God's children? What if we tell a better story than the ones that say, you're not good enough, you're not rich enough, you're not thin enough, you're not safe enough? What if we reject the stories that say our worthiness is conditional? What if we refuse to live in fear? And instead, trust that love, while appearing weak, is the strongest force in the universe. And you might hear that and go, Joel, you had me until that point, but now you're going overboard. Nice sentiment. Love is fine and all, but let's not go uh, overboard with how powerful it is. Well, don't forget that 2,000 years ago, The Caesars appeared to be unstoppable. And yet their names are now merely relics of history. And yet here you are, 2,000 years later, with a group of people who gather every week to remember what this Jesus guy was all about. And what was he all about, if not love? So don't tell me that love isn't more powerful than politics. Hold on to that story and refuse to let it go. This year, we are going to walk with Jesus through the Gospel of Mark. And I'll warn you, at times, the story gets scary. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. The story of Jesus involves suffering. It involves sacrifice. It also involves communion and kinship with the most un likely people. And through it all, Jesus beckons us to follow him because he knows the way home. It's a new year. And if we're going to begin again, we must learn a better story. And the story that Jesus tells us is one in which we don't have to hustle for our worthiness. It's not a story where Our resolutions and life changes are what matter most, as if we are the ones in charge here. No, the the better story that Jesus is telling is one in which, like him, we learn to rest in our belovedness, to trust that we are called by a love that is more powerful than presidents or parties, a love that is more powerful than climate change or racism or poverty. In this story, God is still creating the world. 
and still promises to bring us all home. Amen.